Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. gentlemen boys and girls welcome back to basketball conference the acc football podcast my name is joey weaver he is mike mcdaniel mike first question you want to talk about your uh your your deepest darkest rivals here i hate virginia and this guy knows it mac trogdon <laughs> streaking the lawn welcome back to the podcast my man hey guys thanks for having me uh mike i won't hold it against you you guys are uh pretty solid guys regardless of your school affiliation <laughs> appreciate it. that's high praise um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> high praise for sure yeah matt it's great to have you back on the podcast appreciate you coming on we're excited to talk about virginia's 2018 football season here um 2017 it, so I, I, for for those who have already downloaded this podcast I, i've titled this episode will the real cavaliers please stand up um, and the reason that i've titled it that is that virginia started 2017 five and one they they whipped the crap out of boise state in idaho on a Friday night, I believe. They beat Duke. They won at North Carolina. Um, I might have those backwards. But in any case, Virginia starts the year out hot. And in the back half of the schedule, the wheels completely came off. Um, They lost six of their last seven, all six losses by multiple scores. Um, And so it's kind of hard to tell what, you know, what Virginia is at this point, you know, kind of given that we saw such a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing from them last year. Um, and so kind of want to look at what that looks like going into 2018. And, and Matt, I want to start with a couple of comments that Bronco Mendenhall made a couple months ago. It was uh, June 11th. He made a couple of comments that really caught a lot of news in, in college football. It was unfortunate that it was a slow news time because this is kind of what became news. But he made a couple of comments, one being, I believe we only have 27 ACC caliber football players on our roster today. That's not ideal, given that you're supposed to have about 85 scholarship players. If only 27 of them are good for the league, that's probably not great. Uh, He made another comment about, I want to play the worst Power 5 team that we can play. That's what the ACC requires. You have to play one other Power 5 team in non-conference play. So want to make that as easy as possible on his team. Uh, And there's also been a lot of – there's been a few stories recently about the the program's renewed emphasis on beating Virginia Tech. There's a lot of signage around and a lot of chants or cheers, you know, all sorts of things. I guess I wanted to get your overall opinion, you know, or or your take on where the fans are with how we perceive Bronco Mendenhall, some of these comments he's making, and and, uh, what what it looks like him leading the program here over the next couple of years. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, sure, Joey. That's a great place to start. I would I would start by saying that when I first saw the comments, my main takeaway was that Bronco Mendenhall needed a new PR guy. Um, <laughs> but then I was encouraged by some of my colleagues at Street Milan to withhold judgment um, until I listened to his entire talk. Um, so he gave this talk at a a meeting of the board of visitors uh, for the university uh, and our new athletic director was in attendance. And if you look at the spirit of the overall talk that he gave, um, it was a lot different than what was portrayed um, 
at first by the Daily Progress reporter who wrote about it. Um, so on the whole, Bronco gave a very kind of inspiring vision for what he sees for UVA. Um, but uh, the reporting that kind of came out, um, it, at least in the immediate uh, aftermath there, the, the reporting really painted his comments um, in, in a more negative light than I think they were actually delivered. Um, so, you know, on the whole, yeah, I, I don't disagree really with anything that Bronco said. Um, and, and I think any sane Virginia fan um, probably wouldn't disagree with too much of what he said either. Um, if you look at the roster, um, you know, he said they had 27 ACC players in the summer. Uh, that was before the latest recruiting class came in. Um, you know, I think if anybody took umbrage to that, I would challenge them to go and look at the roster and find more than 27 ACC caliber players um, going into the season. Um, I know if you look at, if you actually go back and look at the number of guys who participated and contributed significantly to the team last year um, and how many of those guys are still remaining this year, um, I think you'd be hard pressed to get over 30. Um, so yeah, you know, there was, there was some truth to what he said. Now he probably could have said it in a way that was a little bit more delicate, um, but that's just not who he is. Um, that's just not his personality. He's, he's a straight shooter. Um, similarly, you know, his comment about wanting to play the worst power five team possible. Um, that is, that's kind of textbook Bronco Mendenhall honesty there. Um, I agree with the overall sentiment. Um, I think, um, you know, the, the previous Mike London administration was hampered by the fact that uh, scheduling was too aggressive for him. Um, and Bronco, I think, rightfully so, um, is hoping to um, kind of uh, build some softer schedules to where the team and the program can get used to winning um, a little bit more easily. So I don't disagree with the spirit of that comment either. Um, I might suggest, again, uh, couching it in, in terms that are a little bit more delicate. Um, and then the, the emphasis on beating Virginia Tech, I, I would say it's about time. Um, it's about time someone came out and recognized how important that game is for UVA. Um, for the schedule, as, as it, it's about time someone came out and um, you know, articulated how important that game is for fans and how important that game is for recruiting. Um, you know, Al Groh, who was coach about a decade ago, used to say that it's kind of just like another game. Um, you know, Mike London talked a little bit more passionately about it, but never kind of came out directly and said how important of a game it was. Um, I think it, it's it's hands down the most important game on the schedule every year. Um, and if you want to talk about things that can really give the program a shot in the arm, um, going down to Blacksburg in November and beating the Hokies would be um, probably as close to a magic bullet as you can get um, as far as making people feel good about being Virginia fans again. So uh, I think they are, um, I think they're right to circle that game and they're right to point to it. Uh, it wouldn't make me feel very good. So there's that. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's talk about the quarterbacks, Matt. So yeah. um, no more Kurt Benkert. I like Kurt Benkert. Uh, Joey knows it. Joey and I were Kurt Benkert guys, actually. Um, we were yep. actually cool with Kurt Benkert, yep. for lack of a better term. We'll, we'll, we'll call ourselves Kurt Benkert guys for the purposes of this podcast. Hey, um, tough not, he's tough not to like. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Kurt Benkert's gone. Looks like Bryce Perkins from Arizona Western College, Juco transfer. Looks like he's going to be a starter. So tell us a little bit about him and the expectations. And um, if he is expected to be the starter, what, sh- what should we expect out of him as ACC fans? Sure. Um, so by the time this comes out, uh, I will have written something on Streaking the Lawn for uh, about this topic, uh, the specific topic. I think Bryce Perkins is probably the most intriguing new player that Virginia uh, will have had in the last decade. Um, he's the first dual threat we've had, dual threat quarterback we've had um, since Marcus, Marcus Higgins in 2004 and 2005. Um, he's a quarterback that fits the offensive system that Bronco Mendenhall and Robert and I are looking to run. Um, he's arguably one of the top three fastest players on the team now. Um, and, you know, if Virginia is going to make a return to the postseason this year, uh, it's going to be because Bryce Perkins uh, has exceeded um, people's expectations. Uh, so, uh, you know, I look for, like I said, more of a dual threat guy um, who is going to is going to have to be able to keep defenses honest uh, with his feet. Um, but he's certainly um, from what I've seen in practice clips um, has a decent enough arm to, to move the team through the air um, as well. And, and as I put it in the, the column I wrote, you know, having been a Virginia fan and having watched guys like uh, guys over the years like Tyrod Taylor and Lamar Jackson and you know, even going back to Joey Hamilton, uh, kind of run around Virginia defenses. Um, I am uh, I'm really excited to see what it looks like when we have a quarterback who can uh, make plays with his feet and make other defenses uncomfortable. And so, Matt, that kind of leads itself to suggest that the offense is going to change shape, right? You know, with a with a mobile quarterback more so than what we've seen in several years under Virginia, um, and, and that also kind of lends you to say that, you know, how much the the wide receivers themselves are important or centerpieces of the offense might be adjusted a little bit. That's that's relevant this year as Virginia's looking to replace both Andre Lavrone and uh, Donnie Dowling combined for 84 catches and 1,300 yards last year uh, in, in the passing game. So as we look to replace multiple receivers, you know, established guys on, on this team and on this offense – how much is that really a, of importance and who should we look to, to, to really be that major downfield threat this year, joining uh, the returning Olamide Zacchaeus? So I would look for the offense to look um, considerably different from last year. Um, you know, Ben Kurt, I think they brought Ben Kurt in um, expecting him to be a little bit more mobile than he ended up proving to be. Um, he had a knee injury, which sidelined him at East Carolina. Um, and I think that took him longer to recover from than they had expected. Um, and then by the time he got to his senior year, uh, there was such a chasm on the depth chart behind him. Um, you know, he was a senior quarterback and then they had a true freshman quarterback as the backup. Um, and that limited the, what, the, what that limited what Virginia could do offensively with him as far as using his feet. Um, with Perkins, uh, I think things will be will look a lot different. Uh, you'll see a lot more of a read pass option system. You'll see a lot more of of a quick hitting system. Um, I look I would look for Virginia to run the ball significantly more than they did last year. Um, so part of the production that you saw from guys like Lavroni and Dowling is going to be replaced by scheme. Um, 
as far as specific receivers go, uh, you hit it on the head. Uh, Alameda Zacchaeus will be the number one guy. Uh, he'll be the primary target. Um, he's the uh, ACC's leading uh, returning receiver as far as receptions from last year. Um, and one and his performance last year was one of the best um, kind of most productive uh, seasons for a receiver in school history. So I would look for him to be option number one. Um, and he's a guy with, with kind of top end speed that you don't realize how fast he is um, because he's been playing in the slot for as long as he has. Um, number, number two receiver, I imagine will be Joe Reed um, who uh really uh, played well last year as a punt returner and sort of came on in receiver at, at spots. Um, but I, so I think he'll sort of fill in, fill in that second, second spot on the other side. And then they have a couple guys that, that are still, that have shown flashes of potential, but are, are largely unproven. Um, so I, I would look for those guys to kind of, kind of slide in those one, two roles. And then for the, the scheme change to make up some of the difference. So the defense replaces, well, I mean, three of the most productive defensive players in school history. Um, yep. You know, you no longer have Andrew Brown up front. You no longer have Micah Kaiser at linebacker. You no longer have Quinn Blanding. So that's the bad news, right? So you lose three of your top, uh, three of your top producers on defense, one at each level of the defense. That's the bad news. The good news is that you're returning the other eight starters. So what is the expectation for this defense? Because I think it's more of a good news, bad news, slip of the coin type of thing when you lose three players as productive as Brown, Kaiser, and Blanding, but still return a majority of the unit. Yeah, I, th I think I think the coaches uh, would tell you they feel more comfortable at this point with the defense than they do with the offense. Um, Virginia's back eight should be solid, um, and their their defensive backfield um, should be one of the best in the conference. Um, I would imagine. So we'll see Juan Thornhill move over to safety from cornerback. Uh, Bryce Hall returns at corner. Tim Harris should return at corner. Uh, Brenton Nelson, who was ACC uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year at safety, will return as well. Um, and they have some solid depth there. Um, so they're good to go in, in the secondary. Um, at linebacker, they'll return um, two starters. Or they'll return three starters from last year, Malcolm Cook, Chris Peace, and Jordan Mack. Uh, Malcolm Cook will move from outside to inside. Um, and then they'll probably start a redshirt freshman, uh, Charles Snowden, at the other outside linebacker position. Um, the real question is on the defensive line. Um, Virginia's defensive line depth situation is is perilous to say the least. So in addition to losing Brown, um, they lost a number of guys um, to um, either early medical retirement or um, guys leaving the program, guys getting kicked out of school. Uh, I'd have to double check, but I think including Brown, when you include Brown, they lost six or seven guys off the depth chart at defensive line. Um, so that that is their thinnest position on the team. Um, they'll start Eli Handback at nose tackle, which is where he uh, started every game last season. Uh, Mandy Alonzo, who's a red, redshirt freshman, um, kind of started to pick up playing time uh, in the beginning or towards the end of the year last year. And then uh, Richard Burney, who is going to be as a converted tight end, will will probably start at the other defensive end spot on opening day. Um, so. If the defensive line can can keep it together and, and can 
um, you know, just, just be adequate uh, and let the back eight make plays and, and do the heavy lifting, um, then Virginia's defense has a chance to be pretty good. Uh, but if that defensive line struggles, uh, then it could be it could be a much longer season back there than folks are hoping for. Matt, I want to talk about you, you mentioned a couple of guys that got to be replaced on offense in particular. Um, if there's a, a singular new name to know on offense, someone that we haven't gotten a lot from in the past, we're going to get more from this year that people will know about by the end of the year. Who's the person to look out for on Virginia's offense this year? Um, well, so Perkins would be the obvious one. We'll skip him. Um, I'm tempted to say Jordan Ellis, who will be the starting running back, but he was the starting running back last year. I really thought that they uh, underutilized him um, for much of the season. It seemed like he really got going against Duke and North Carolina and then kind of disappeared uh, towards the end of the year. Uh, we could we could debate whether that was his fault or whether that was play calling or whether it was the fact that they had a weak offensive line. Um, you know, probably it, it it's really it's a really boring um a really boring choice but probably their their most important new face outside of perkins on offense is marcus applefield who is a grad transfer uh on the offensive line started um last season at rutgers um and he's brought is brought in as a grad transfer to kind of shore up virginia there he'll either go off he'll either start at right guard or right tackle, um, but Virginia des- uh, definitely needed um, some offensive line help, and he he's going to provide it. I think, barring injuries, and a couple of guys have already got nicked up in fall camp, um, but barring injuries, uh, Virginia has a chance to have one of the better offensive lines that it's had um, over the last few years, and Applefield is uh, a major reason why. How about the new face on defense? Is it going to be one of those guys that's replacing the big three that they're losing on that side of the ball? Yeah, um, I I would say, um, God, there's a lot of choices here because you got a lot of couple guys returning from injury. You got a couple guys that are old faces in new positions. Um, But if we're going to go strictly new face, um, I'm going to go with Charles Snowden, uh, retro freshman offense or outside linebacker. He's a former basketball player, uh, didn't have a ton of experience playing football in high school. long lanky guys like 67 220 um and so definitely a kind of a different body type um for an outside linebacker but last year um even as a true freshman he came in and made a couple of really nice really important plays for UVA uh he had a sack against Duke uh, late in the fourth quarter of that game that helped Virginia preserve that win um and then he had a block punt against Miami um uh, during that game, a, a game which Virginia led twice by uh, by two touchdowns before eventually uh, losing their lead and kind of getting rolled. But um, I saw so I, I think Snowden now that he's had a year kind of within a college training program, um, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what kind of a role he has this year and what kind of an impact he has. Matt, let's look at the schedule. What we've been doing is marking these games up as surefire wins, surefire losses, and, and toss-ups, so to speak. Yep. Uh, and as I look at this schedule for Virginia, uh, the games that stand out to me as surefire wins, I knowing the history of this program, I feel a little nervous going here. But Richmond, I think, you know, getting them at home, I, I don't think Richmond's at a point this point that they're actually going to sneak up and, and beat anybody. So I'll go Richmond. And I think late in the season at home against Liberty, those are the surefire wins. The other one that 
probably sticks out here is Ohio, but there's a good chance that they're like the best team in the MAC, uh, and, and you know, not to be uh, totally discounted in my opinion. So I, as I look at this schedule, that that's almost concerning to me. I, I only see two surefire wins. Is there anything else you see on the schedule that is just like Virginia can't really lose this game? No, I agree with you. Um, I think if you look at the schedule, actually, if you look at Bill Connolly's uh, S and P plus ratings. Uh, with SB Nation, um, Liberty, I be- Liberty is the only team I believe he has Virginia rated higher than um, going into the season. Um, so I think that's we'd we'd call that a surefire win. Uh, the Richmond team that beat UVA two years ago um, is much better than the Richmond team that will enter Scott Stadium on September 1st this year um, in Virginia. Um, it's just further along as a program than it was at this time two years ago, which was Bronco, Men- Bronco Mendenhall's first game. So I think Richmond and uh, Liberty are your two surefire wins. Um, I agree with you. The Ohio one is a game that you know, you, you would think we could chalk it up as a good fire win or as a surefire win, but a high has been a pretty good team in the Mac. Um, they went to a bowl game last year and I believe, I believe they won. I think they went something like eight and four, nine and three. Um, Bill Connolly, I believe has them rated ahead of Virginia. I think he has a Virginia as a slight favorite in that game undoubtedly because they'll be at home. Um, but that'll be a tough early season test. Um, and then the majority of the rest of the games will be toss-ups, in my opinion. But we can talk more about that. Yeah, I got Virginia or Virginia Liberty, Richmond and Liberty is the two. Um, you know, I, I think there are a couple other games that we'll put in the toss-up category that I think Virginia has a pretty good chance to win. But as far as surefire wins are concerned, I would go with Richmond and Liberty as well. Mm-hmm. Let's all agree, right? Right, uh, Joey. Just, I'm good with that. Yeah, totally. So I'll agree. Yeah, I, Keep I, it boring. I think worst worst case scenario, if, if everything else goes wrong, if it, you know, I think this is bottoms out of the two and ten season with wins over Richmond and Liberty. That is as bad as it could get. God, if that happens, <laughs> if that happens, that's gonna be that's gonna be a pretty brutal situation. So, at least uh, it'll be basketball season by the time it's over. <laughs> say that again. At least it'll be basketball season by the time it's over. Oh man, I can't even think about basketball season right now. Hey, it's long, so as long as you that, that is a sore. That is that is the sorest of sore subjects. That is where uh, my streaking the lawn colleagues and I disagree. They are counting down days till basketball season, and I am just like the guy who got left at prom by his girlfriend four years in a row, and I just have no desire to even think about basketball right now (laughs) all right mike leave it alone leave it alone it's fine i'll leave it (laughs) there you go um surefire losses matt um there's a lot of these that just these games I, i maybe i'm being too pessimistic there's some of these that they get at home but I would think that a lot of these games that might be a little more toss-up-y, we'll call, um, for Virginia in a lot of years, they're getting these games on you know, on the road. Um, at NC State, at Duke, at Georgia Tech, at Virginia Tech, um, I, I, I mean, I, I would give them maybe one in three across those four road games in the ACC. I don't know your thoughts on that, but I, I, I won't believe that Virginia can beat Virginia Tech until I see it. Um, I, I won't. I, I don't like them playing Georgia Tech on senior day in Atlanta. 
especially coming off of uh, Georgia Tech losing that game last year. I think that's a bit of a get-back game. Um, so then you're talking about needing to split NC State and Duke. Um, I don't know. Did, am I am I too low on Virginia here, or or is this just not really laid out as, in a very conducive way uh, as far as the schedule for Virginia? Uh, I think that that's – I mean, I think all of your thoughts are reasonable. I think, again, it comes down to what Perkins is able to do. Um, you know, I was talking to uh, Brad Franklin, who runs CavsCorner.com, which is the rival's outlet for UVA. Um, and he says that Perkins is the kind of guy who can – he's good enough to be a perception changer. So he's, a you know, depending on what he looks like in the first couple of weeks, you know, we could all have this conversation again and we, we could pick a lot differently. But um, until then – you know, uh, of the four, Duke and, and Georgia Tech are probably the ones where I would, would feel most confident that Virginia has a chance in uh, uh, Virginia days in a row. Um, really, you know, kind of kind of given Daniel Jones a lot of trouble in both games. Um, so it kind of made him look uncomfortable um, in ways that no other team has been able to make him look uncomfortable. So, um, I, you know, I, I certainly think Virginia would have a chance in that one. Um, and then Bronco Mendenhall has come out and said, you know, he has a passion for uh, going up against option offenses. He relishes that challenge. Um, I thought they played Georgia Tech uh pretty well when they lost down in Atlanta two years ago. It was really more, um, you know, that, that one came down to Virginia, kept turning the ball over um, and, you know, couldn't couldn't kind of get their act together in offense. And then last year uh, they were able to, to contain the option, Georgia Tech's option kind of as well as you can. Um, so if I if I had to pick two, um, I would pick I would pick those two. I don't know NC State well enough to really kind of opine on it, um, but I'll, I'll go ahead and say I think they would probably be the favorites in that one. And then again, yeah, I'm with you. Um, as much as I'd like to see uh, and like to believe that Virginia can go to Blacksburg and win, um, I'm sort of you know believe it when I see it mode there as well. So I think they can get one. I think they can get one of those two, either Georgia Tech or Duke. Um, and I think that they will need to get one of those two um, in order to make it to the postseason. I um, I don't think they can beat Louisville at home. I know Louisville's got a, you know, they're going to have a different looking team and they're rebuilding as well. And there are a lot of unknowns there. Um, I think Louisville's probably going to be better than a lot of people expect, maybe even better than I expected them to be. Um, Joey and I just did a Louisville preview with Ethan Moore um, from 92.9 in Louisville. Um, he, you know, he hosts one of the radio shows there and he talked me into a decent Louisville team. So now I'm going to go now for better or worse, I'm going to go with Louisville being decent, not maybe as bad as I thought they would be. Um, I think Virginia has a hard time winning that game against Louisville, even though it's at home. I think at NC State is going to be a, a tough game for them to win as well. Home against Miami. Um, good that you get that game at home on homecoming. I don't think there's a prayer that they win that game. Um, uh, hang on. Can I change your opinion on that just real quick? Sure. Do you know what Miami has the week before that game? Who does Miami have a week before that? That would be the Florida State game. Mm. Okay. If That's... there is ever a time to catch Miami, it's coming off of a potential loss to Florida State. 
I, I on the road in Charlottesville. I I agree, and that's a weird environment to play in right after you have a huge game against Florida State. But at the same time, Miami is probably talent-wise about two or three touchdowns better than Virginia. So I'm just going to believe in the talent there and say that Miami wins that game. Um, at Virginia Tech, I, you know, I, you know, that's we'll just. <laughs> Let's leave that. Let's leave that there. Um, Mike, I'm what's also, going? What's going on with the defense, man? How many? Uh, how many hokey defenders are gone for this season? Pretty much all of them. I don't know what to okay. tell you. Everybody except the defensive line. I'm not high on Virginia Tech, man, at all. I'm not. Um, uh, you know, I they said get, they get ahead. back to three starters that Virginia lost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I I had Virginia Tech at a very optimistic eight and four, but I think it's probably more like a six and six, seven and five type wow. season. I'm not very okay. high on that. Um, but I, I'm I'm with you guys. I, I'm believe it when I see it. You know, 15 years later, I'm still I'm still on that boat. Um, you know, Virginia beat Georgia Tech last year. I think Georgia Tech's going to be better. Um, there are a lot of unknowns with Virginia right now. Georgia Tech returning their entire offense matters and. We'll have to see what the defense holds. But, you know, Georgia Tech's playing that game on senior day. Like Joey said, I think that's also going to be a very tough game for them to win. So that's what one, two, three, four. I, I, I have five surefire losses, and maybe that's more on the pessimistic side as well. Um, I, I think Virginia can still probably get one of those games, uh, maybe two. Um, if I had to pick the one for them to get, it, it would be Louisville in that fourth game of the year. I think I look at this as I, as I look to make a record prediction. So, Mike, are you where are you going record prediction wise? By the way, uh, I'm going to go with five and seven. Um, I think they beat Richmond and Indiana. I do think they beat Ohio, even though we've talked highly of Ohio. And I also think Ohio is a very good MAC team. That's there's, um, you know, no argument against that. Uh, they're they're a solid group of five team. Um, so Richmond, Indiana, Ohio. I think it's three and zero in that stretch. Um, I think they beat Liberty for their fourth win. Um, I think for in order for Virginia to go bowl eligible, I'm going to stick with five and seven. I'm going to say that they beat North Car- one of North Carolina or Duke. I think in order for Virginia to become bowl eligible, I think it's very important for them to win both of those games back-to-back weeks when they got North Carolina on um, – or I'm sorry, they're at Duke October 20th and at home against North Carolina – on October 27th. Um, I, I think they have to win both of those games in that swing in order to become bowl eligible, in my opinion. But I'm going to go with five and seven. Um, I think Virginia is better than a lot of people are saying they are. Um, but I'm I'm not sure they're quite good enough to get bowl eligibility. There are too many questions on offense for me. And I think that losing your three impact players on defense matters, even though you're returning a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Matt, where do you think Virginia ends up this year? Um, I think five and seven is is a darn good choice. Um, I'm gonna go six and six. Um, I think I think they're gonna get three of those out of conference games. I think they'll lose either to Indiana or Ohio. Um, I would I would probably guess that they would lose on the road to Indiana. Um, so that that gives them three. I think I think they're gonna beat Carolina at home. I think they're gonna beat Pitt at home. Um, and I think they'll beat Duke. I think, yeah, I'm going to go Duke, Carolina, Pitt, and Liberty. So they win two out of the two out of the first three, and then they went four in a row, kind of late uh, October to early November. 
Yeah, I I guess maybe I'm I feel a little bit like a hater. I'm kind of somewhere between four and eight and five and seven here. I, I've always I, I was skeptical of the Bronco Mendenhall hire to begin with. I, I thought that I it was remember. A, yeah, it I was kind of that. a weird fit to me, and it always has been. Um, I, I felt like six and six last year was a little bit you know inflated or you know I don't know. I, I'm not super. I'm not super optimistic about this. I, I'm. I'll, I'll avoid the hot takiness. I'm going to go five and seven here as well with Mike. Um, the so my thought here is that I think yeah you see so win Richmond and Liberty. I think I think especially with the the change on offense, you probably are going to split Indiana and Ohio. So if you go three and one out of conference, you just got to go two and six in ACC play to get to five and seven, right? Um, Getting Pitt in North Carolina at home, you probably knock off one of those um, at least, if not both. Um, you know, getting games again at Duke. So there's some there's some winnable games here. Um, I'm gonna go five and seven. I won't be shocked if it's four and eight. I won't be shocked if it's seven and five. Honestly, um, it, I, I'm very actually curious to see how this offense changes. Really, what this entire program looks like. Um, not to mention, you know, continue to build up some of the young talent on defense. I, I'm in a place right now of I've seen more or less three players dominate this defense for the last three years for Virginia, and now they're all gone. It's like, show me that there's something else there. I know you bring back Jordan Mack and a few other guys, but I guess I'm just – I don't know. I feel like a hater right now. But it, it's kind of where I'm at, and I, I'm curious to see if they can replicate a bull performance from last year um, just because – I don't know. I'm I'm still I'm still not sold on the Mendenhall thing. I think that's where this all eventually comes from. Uh, I would say that a lot of people feel the same way. So you're certainly uh, you're cer- certainly not alone there. Um, I think I think overall he has a good plan. Um, I think um, you know what I can say about him in comparison to the previous coaching staff was it actually seems like he has a plan. Um, so that is uh, that's an upgrade. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, it's it's going to take. It's going to take a little bit of time. Um, and, you know, I, I think the majority of Virginia fans, Joey, are, are probably just as skeptical um, as you are. So, you know, certainly we've seen that with kind of lack of attendance over the last couple of the years. Um, I think, like I said before, it all it all comes down to Perkins. Um, he's he's the X factor. And um, like I said, I think he's he's one of the more intriguing players that we've seen um, you know, in 10 years. So, uh, he's the story of the year. Hey, Matt, how long is the leash for Mendenhall? Um, you talked a little bit about the fans and, and what they think of him and how they're becoming a little bit more skeptical. How long do you think the leash is, especially coming off of a bowl game last year? Um, well, I, you know, I think, uh, there was, there was a lot of excitement around him, um, right off the bat. And then they, you know, went and laid an absolute egg against Richmond. Um, you know, that, that his first game of the first game of his tenure, um, I'll put it this way. They got, they had 49,000 fans in attendance for that home opener, home opener against Richmond in 2016, uh, which they lost. Um, and they haven't had forwarded uh, for any home game since then. So I think people are still skeptical. Now, Virginia just, uh, just, uh, hired a new athletic director last fall, uh, Carla Carla Williams from Georgia. Um, she has um, spoken glowingly about Bronco so far um, and talked about um, 
the fact that she thinks he does things the right way and she appreciates the job he has done um, for the amount of resources um, he has. Um, Virginia, I think um, they've come out and said over the last few months that Virginia has invested uh, less in its football program on a dollar amount um, than uh, almost all of its ACC counterparts. Um, they are starting to fundraise to kind of uh, close that gap. Um, so on one, you know, one sense you could make an argument that she'll be patient with him. Um, on the other sense, you can make an argument that um, they need wins in order to open up uh, wallets and pocketbooks. Um, so I think he certainly gets this year. He certainly he gets at least well. He certainly gets this year. I think he certainly gets a year after this. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he definitely got um, two more years after this, especially after coming off a bowl game. I mean, uh, you know, it was only their first bowl game in the last seven or eight years. Um, and going from two wins in year one to six wins uh, in year two is is definitely an accomplishment. So I think he has a little bit he has a little bit of room to run. But if Virginia lays an egg this year and goes two and ten, um, or three and nine or something like that. Um, I think the seat could get hotter uh, quite quickly. There you have it. Need some wins this year. Got some more runway as necessary for Bronco Mendenhall. Uh, seems like he's got a lot of support there in the athletic department. Uh, Matt, this has been an awesome preview. Thank you for joining us and for putting up with uh, Mike's Virginia Tech antics uh, on this on this podcast. Uh, tell the hey, people where Mike they can is find one of my. Mike's one of my ten favorite Hokies. I think I got. I have to go back and look at that. Just to make sure. but, uh, Matt, Matt I, I, I appreciate that. I'm glad I made the cut into the top 10. Um, next, top 10. Next, next up's top five. So. Yeah, yeah. We'll keep talking, okay? All right. We'll see, we'll see what happens. That's high praise. Uh, Matt, where can they find you on Twitter? Where can they find your work on the internet? Yeah, I'm at Matt underscore Trogdon uh, on Twitter, T-R-O-G-D-O-N. And then the Streak in the Lawn Twitter account is STL underscore UVA. Um, and then it's streakinthelawn.com. It's the SB Nation outlet for uh, that covers UVA sports. Well, thank you for joining us. This has been a great preview. And uh, I think we've all... I, I for myself, have, have had my perception change of Virginia just a little bit so far. I, and I'm nervous because this, like... All these previews we're doing continue to change my perception of every team. So maybe I uh, need to recalibrate a little bit. But um, this has been great having you on. Appreciate it. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, we need to have you back on after Virginia uh, shocks the world and beats Miami there in early October. Yeah, count me in for that. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks Matt. Matt. Matt, as long as, long as they don't upset Virginia Tech at the end of the year, we'll still be friends. It'll be good. Oh, he's definitely coming back on for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's he's gonna be he's he's the number one he's the number one call if that happens hundred <laughs> percent. I'm your one A. I'm your one A slot. Yeah, one A. There you go. Well, Mike, that's uh, that's Matt Trogdon again, streaking along uh, on the SB Nation Network, the uh, SB Nation Virginia site. Uh, we got to get out of here. We got more teams. We got a preview. Uh, until then, they can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB. And together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, he is at Matt underscore Trogdon, uh, T R O G D O N, on Twitter. Go find him there. And again, at streakingthelawn.com. Mike, they can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. They can find us, uh, they can send us an email. 
they, they can find us on email or they can send us an email at the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Did I? It felt like it was a little bit off this time. I will say you nailed it. I'll work on it. Um, Mike, tell them where else they can find us on the social medias. Facebook, facebook.com slash basketballconference rate review. Find most of our podcasts there. <laughs> I say most because I haven't posted all of them, so find most of them there. Keyword most. Um, but yes, go find them there. Also, make sure to rate us on iTunes. Uh, that is always much appreciated. Uh, we appreciate the feedback. We appreciate the uh, the help in publicity. If you guys got friends, you know, please share the show with them, all that. Uh, come our find link, us on YouTube. Our link is our link is pinned to to the Twitter page. So absolutely, go go find it there. It's real easy. Just at BC Podcast ACC right there at the front. So that's right. Go find it there. Um, you can also go find us on YouTube. Uh, just search for Basketball Conference. We don't have a fancy URL or anything, but if you want to see Matt's super cool uh, throwback U.S. Open poster behind him, or uh, that Mike dressed up for this one wearing a colored shirt. You can go check that out there. That's uh, that's all fair game. I, I, I also got I also got hammered and went to dinner with a client just for the occasion. As one does. Um, awesome. Mike, this is uh, that's all we got. We got to come back and preview some more teams here. Uh, and in the meantime, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel and Mr. Matt Trogdon, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Bye.